This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. From NPR Music, this is All Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Let the chisme begin. Okay, Anna, every week we talk on Zoom and I recognize the background, but now I'm seeing something I don't recognize. Where are you? <laughs> Surprise, I'm in Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> What are you you doing there? Okay, well, everyone has been constantly telling me that if I want to have the most beautiful, diverse, amazing musical experience, that I have to get myself to Mexico City. And so that's precisely what I decided to do, Felix. Okay, I'm cool with that. So what have you heard so far? Well, very excited to share that one of my first stops here was actually to visit an old friend of yours, Felix, Camilo Lara. Camilo Lara is one of the nicest guys in the music business, and he's also one of the most prolific music producers out there. I had to go there first because everyone has always talked to me about the famous Camilo Lara studio here in Mexico City. It's like the home base for so many artists. They come, it's in the heart of La Roma. So many people have gone through those doors, worked on their albums, created something special. So I had to be there. My conversations with him in the past have always been centered around what he creates in that studio. I've always been impressed by the fact that He has big ears, as people in the music business say. He listens to a lot of different types of music, and he produces a lot of different types of music. And I think that's reflected in how he grew up there in Mexico City. You know, we got to chat about that and so much about what it means for him to exist in multiple worlds. Here's my conversation with Camilo. I learned English at school and through the Beatles. Uh, Like everyone, everyone here in Mexico... Probably the Beatles had a lot to do <laughs> to learn Spanish, learn uh-huh. English. Uh, it was funny because when I was growing up and I was listening, I didn't know what they were saying. Uh, like I was listening to Bob Dylan or Los Lobos or later I discovered they were great lyricists. Uh, but at the beginning, it was just about uh, music. So you had to fall in love with the sound first before anything, no? Always, always, always. I still, when I'm listening to music in English, mm-hmm. I it's hard to me to keep on with the lyrics. I had mm-hmm. to listen several times yeah. to understand what they're saying. Is it different for you? Like what you what you hear first? Is it different for you when you listen to a song in Spanish? Absolutely, and I think uh, in general, Spanish speaking music. The mix of the music, it's way different than the English one. Lyrics are way up on the mix, the vocalists. So, and in English, it seems to me sometimes it's just an, one instrument more, and it's a different take huh. on how people mix in the US and in Mexico, yeah. definitely. Why do you think that is? We have a big legacy on lyrics, and, and I think uh, 
they are really important most of the time, and the people really want to the audience to understand what they're singing. Mm. So, for example, in pop music, you can tell, like, in Spanish, it's loud, and people care about lyrics a lot. Mm. And I think in English, not not all the time. Like, uh, there's some music that is very heavy on, on the message, but mm -hmm. there's some music that the, the singer can be, like, uh, one, one more player in the mm -hmm. band. It strikes me as interesting that the lyrics seem to be the most important thing, even though there's such a variety of types of sounds here. Yeah, well, I guess the Mexican songbook, like the Mexican Gershwin or the yeah. Mexican uh, Bernstein, uh -huh. is uh, people that really were into amazing lyrics, like Jose Alfredo Jimenez, Juan Gabriel. Tú eres la tristeza y de mis there are so many songwriters that were defining what we were as a nation mm -hmm. through the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So that Mexican songbook has been very powerful and... and yeah, and it's very interesting how new generation are still taking a look on that and being influenced by mm. by those um, fantastic song songwriters. And mm -hmm. uh, you can see in on those lyrics like some hints of what we are as a nation. There's a lot of values that they are floating around in Mexican culture, and, yeah. and you can tell they are on those songs. So for you as a producer, as someone who works with, with so much sound, do you feel like there are ways that you try or just naturally do represent those values or those things that were started by those artists in, in your sound? Yeah, I love and I always love tropical music, music that uh, like cumbia, danzón, cha-cha-cha, mambo, all the music that was uh, made for dance floor. But I also love the classical Mexican songwriters that were fantastic songwriters uh, and they had uh, magical lyrics. But I guess at the beginning of uh, when I was starting to do music, I found that there was a very important connection between rhythm, uh, local rhythm that was happening since the 40s, 30s in, in Mexico, and electronic music and hip-hop and all the stuff that I was listening when I was growing up. So I always was very interested in making that connection. That, that, that It doesn't matter how old the music is or where it comes from, it can live together in a universal dance floor. And for me, that's cumbia, for example, that just cross borders and it, it can be played next to a hip-hop track and it sounds great. Looking for M's like I lost a friend. Jump out of my bed like where that bread. You go hold the egg. Waiter, bring a check. When we talk, we collect the cough. Keep us in your thoughts. Really pressed at the crack of dawn. Weapons letting off. I can hear them from the block. See them creeping through the floor. Jesus greetings like greedy season can start. Oh my god. Look alive. Looking like I live life on a crooked line. Doing fine. You want maximum stupid. I am the guy.
growing up here, what was the first moment for you that you really thought, like, I'm going to start making music? I, I feel like this is something that I have to do. I was super young, like, probably, like, 14, 15, and I, I started to sneak into parties and going to raves <laughs> and just hanging out with friends and listening to hip-hop, uh, some amazing records that were happening at the end of the 90s. So I thought that was what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I had the, I started sampling, and all the samplings came from old records, old Mexican or Cuban or Colombian records. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter how much I tried to sound like Kraftwerk. I end up sounding more like Totola, Mapocina, mm -hmm. or um, tropical music from Latin America because the samplers were originally from that. I embrace it. I think it, it defined my personality as a musician to understand where I was from and, and what I wanted to do and try to be proud of that. So I started DJing at rapes and parties where electronic music was happening. And they were like, oh, dude, like you're playing cumbia. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> Cumbia is for other, like, don't play cumbia here. And, and This is the worst party ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was very unpopular until I was not. Uh, uh, it took me a lot of years to convince people that cumbia was cool. And and uh, at the same time, there was a, my generation, there were a bunch of people doing that in Colombia, in Argentina, in the U.S., everywhere, I think. My generation kind of grew up playing that in clubs and trying to experiment with that. So mm -hmm. I was not alone. Yeah. <laughs> and and suddenly, after many years, I think it, it happened and it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what changed in the city? Did something change where people became more open, more receptive, more excited about sounds like cumbia? Yeah, I think it was when I was growing up, when people asked me how was Mexico City at that time, I I always said it was like, I was never in New York, but I think it was like the movie After Hours by Scorsese <laughs> uh, in New York, that everything was kind of chaotic and, and very rough and and wild and Every night was a, like a different adventure. But at the same time, there were a lot of clusters of people doing interesting stuff. There were the filmmakers and the people on theater and the, the musicians. And, and we all hung out at the same party. So you kind of knew what the other mm -hmm. artistic combos were doing. So it was it was very healthy and it was wild like it was it was the city was super violent super mm -hmm. dangerous uh, mm -hmm. but exciting and and fun it's way different from what it is now Mexico City Mexico City now is a very sophisticated capital I always say Mexico City is a 30 million city but we all know each other Cuánto tiempo va a pasar para que pueda mejorar todos somos So fast forward from all of that, now you have this studio in La Roma, and it's very different, I'm assuming, from, from what it was before. 
Why is this where you decided to make your, your home base for your music, for your production? The La Roma earthquake of 85, mm -hmm. many buildings uh, fall down. And until the 90s, um, it kind of got empty. So when I moved here, it was a very cheap place to live and to own a pro property and to have a studio. Then gentrification happened as everywhere in the world, and it became their open galleries and then condos, and then it's just a, a lot of place with a lot of coffees and mm -hmm. restaurants. And so, but at, at the beginning, it was like an area where all the young people was living because um, it was affordable and it was easy to live. And I'm one of the original <laughs> yeah. uh, from back in the day, and I decided to put my studio because uh, it's still a great area in still feels very like a lot of uh, musicians and, and people from art lives here. So what does it take? I mean, as an artist, like what what does it take to be able to walk through these doors and, and work with you? What does what do you look for in, in artists you work with? I mean, that, probably that's what I'm interested in, on people that have a center as, a, as an artist and uh, can be expressed in lyrics, can be expressed in, in music and people that understand their DNA as, as a creator. And that's very exciting when you find someone that has their own voice, their own sound, their own idea of what their art is, and uh, and they express it in various ways. Mm -hmm. But when working with como a less established artist or someone who's still figuring out what that DNA is, do you see yourself as someone who's helping them discover that of course yeah that's that's a process and I, I think you never end up figuring out who you are at all but you're you're trying at least and I think uh, that's the beauty of it I think music in a way is, is an open diary of who you are at the moment you created it so it's always great to see how people are finding their own voice and experimenting and getting into conclusions or into mistakes also uh, that's that's the beauty of of creating music do you see certain messages or certain values when you hear that expressed in a song do, do certain things feel more important than others to you to express lyrically in a song i would say the only thing i i like is to have a, your own personality I respect and admire people that have a whole universe inside and they're just trying to let that show to the world. And I think that's that what makes us unique and different from each other. And that's that's the beauty of it. I don't love um, derivative stuff and people that are trying to follow trends. And I think uh, I'm more into the rebels of the whole thing. We'll be right back with Ana Maria's conversation with Camilo Lara right after this break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR. So for you, when you make music personally... How do you find your own distinct voice message? I mean, you're working with like a million different types of people and artists and sounds and you're the cumbia guy and you're the electronic guy and you're all these different things. But when you sit down to write your songs, to make your music, how do you how do you find your own personal identity? It's funny because I over the years, my music has a fit into my culture, my community where I'm from. That has been my only steady thing in what I have done. and uh, But if you have that as a starting point, you can do traditional music or electronic music or experimental music. Now that I have many years, uh, I have uh, quite a few years uh, working on music, I can see that as the unificator of what I've been doing. And I think music should be uh, an agent of change in your community and to portray your community, to help your community. So I think that's what my motto and my mantra is that. Uh, I think through music you can change, not the world because uh, it's very ambitious, but at least your <laughs> luck. How do you feel like you get to do that being here? What it, what does that look like for you? Many ways. Uh, uh, it's ambitious, but it's like kind of an action plan. I have the studio as a place that can be helpful for people doing music. I And I also collaborate with a lot of uh, young people and different artists to create community and to, to try to to get the word out there what is happening here. So I, I think that plan can change your block. And I, I do believe uh, if you change your block, you can change your state, then your city, the country. But you have to change yourself first <laughs> meaning what <laughs> meaning meaning um i do believe in collaboration in community and uh, once once you have that i think you can start uh, operating and, and helping what do you think in you made you feel like you wanted to create that community i mean you don't have to want to change your block right you have to i mean <laughs> uh that's all you have like i think we are a product of uh, where we are and a product of the influences we were either uh, geographically or mentally. My influences were also music, uh, 
from the UK or hip hop or but I, I feel I'm part of that community too. Everything you consume in terms of creative creativeness makes you who you are. That's important to me. It's really interesting to me that there is a huge burgeoning rap scene here that I, I feel like I've been talking to a lot of people about that since I've gotten here. Does that feel... I don't know. There's so many sounds and, and types of music that have come out of here. Is there something specifically you think about right now that is creating that moment musically in the city? Yes. It's the golden age of hip-hop in, in Mexico. Hip-hop eight years ago was something that was marginal. And I think this new generation completely changed the whole the whole idea that hip-hop can be something powerful and commercial and these kids just came and did a whole different idea of what hip-hop was. And, and, and now you have a super healthy scene. Yeah. Uh, not only in Mexico City, like Santa Fe Clan is from Guanajuato, or Aleman is from uh, Los Cabos. It's not the product, is from L.A., but um, she's bicultural and she's amazing. Like, it's very exciting to see it blossom. And how does that, how does working with artists like that differ for you than working with an artist who's, say, doing like way more classic stuff that's super traditional or more lyrics focused or whatever it might be? How does that differ for you? It might sound weird, but I think uh, when you work with Santa Fe Clan or with Lila Downs, they all have the same energy as creators and what I mean is uh, they both have a, a very clear idea of what they are and what they are not. doesn't matter if you do electronic music or hip-hop or, or traditional music. If you're one of those artists that glow and that have a, a very clear idea of who you are as an artist, it's kind of the same, uh, the same energy. And, and I, I love it because there is beauty in all genres and there is beauty in different expressions of music. Uh, so I feel very lucky to be a double agent and to work with <laughs> traditionals or super modern artists. They don't know. They, they don't, don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> and don't tell them. <laughs> with Santa Fe Clan, you're the cool hip-hop producer. How much of you is in that, in bo in bo with both of those artists, with all those kinds of artists, how much of Camilo is in, in that music, though? A lot. It's a, it's a, I think, of course, it's their project and it's their idea, but it's a journey you take together. And it's a, the songs that you record are 
like a diary and what you were thinking on that exact day and what you thought it was good to do on that day. Probably in a month you listen and you were like, oh, I would do the music different or the lyrics I would change. But um, that's a snapshot of who you were. So it's a journey and, and that's, that's the beauty. It's uh, the complicity of being together and create something and something came out and for good or for bad, that stays as it is. Mm-hmm. That has to be kind of crazy for you, though, because it's like you're reading someone's diary. That's the relationship. It is absolutely intimate. <laughs> it's super <laughs> intimate. And at the same time, it's, um, it's something that's meant to be public, but that it comes from a very private place. That's the beauty of music. Uh, you chase moments and feelings and can be very personal. And at the same time, so universal because um, we kind of all go to the bathroom, uh, smile, laugh, uh, have broken hearts. We all feel. We all kind of uh, (laughs) do the same, have the same machinery. That's so interesting to me because you are so distinct in that you are so influenced by the city and, and your experiences here and all the different sounds. But then at the end of the day, you're just trying to create something universal. Or particular. Or I think particular. I, I, I would like to think more than I'm creating something so intimate that uh, someone will connect with that in that intimate place. But, I mean, the ultimate goal is to be universal, but uh, that's uh, more ambitious. Yeah. Does it feel weird for you because you work with so many artists where you're like, you as an artist might feel this is super distinct or, or, or individual or unique, but I've worked with 50 artists, and so I, I, in a way, I, I almost feel like I have heard or seen a little bit of this before. Does that ever happen to you? No, uh, <laughs> I hope never happens because it's, even though you're, it's not like doing pizzas. Like you can, I think a pizza, you can do the same recipe over and over and over and over. And the minute you start doing that with music, it's became a pizza. And I think uh, that's the beauty of, of songs like, most of them last between two and four minutes. Most of them have chorus and verses. But what happens is, and the way you make it, it's like a fingerprint. It becomes uh, very particular and very different. So thinking on one song as a fingerprint, it makes you understand that even though they have the same elements, they can be absolutely different. And from the way they are created to the way they, are, they end up sounding We kind of started by talking about the greats that have lived here and and their lyricism and the the reasons that, like you said, people gravitate towards the lyrics, towards the emotion. Do you feel like there's an equivalent of that today, like a type of music or an artist or something that that is being created today that is really, the people are gravitating towards that expression? Oh, yeah. I mean, not so long ago, I was here at the studio with Silvana Estrada, which is, for example... (sighs) probably uh, one of the most exciting voices in Mexican music. I don't know. I mean, there is a very healthy scene of people just creating beautiful songs. And a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. think about them makes it so special? They are reinventing the language and they are reinventing the convention of, of being a crooner. And that's always exciting when... People that know how to play a game and they just reimagine it, I think that's that's what is happening. And they are adapting it to be contemporary and have an 
on being part of the discussion. I don't know, Sil Silvana Estrada is a, is a great example. This, uh, their music is related to all the Latin American singers from the 60s and 70s, but her take on that is for the future. Is In a way, her music is futuristic and it's very now and it showcases Mexico today. You know, Felix, it is honestly so ironic to me that he ended that interview telling me about all of the artists that are showcasing Mexico today because sitting in that studio, I felt like I was watching Mexico on display through the art that he is creating. That's always been the case. That's so funny that you say that because I've always had the same feeling after talking to him and watching his music again over the years and all the things that he's produced. There's something about the way that he embodies the energy of not only Mexican music as it stands right now, because he's working on everything, no? Like, he is really representing the gamut of what is Mexican music at this moment, but also just the ways that you can chart the history of the city through his experiences. I mean, there's, there's few people that I think hold that much of the heart of a city and, and, and the artistic expression of a city in their, in their own personal story. I'm really glad we got a chance to catch up to Camilo and Villasen and what he's doing and what he's thinking about in the future. I'm going to be looking for his name in film credits a little bit more moving forward. Oh my God, Felix, he showed me a score he's working on. I was practically in tears. I can't wait to hear it and to see it since it's going to be part of a film. And that's going to do it for our show this week. Alt Latino is a production of NPR Music. Huge thanks to our editor, Hazel Sills. And also big thanks to Grace Chung, who keeps things under control. And our production assistant, Jerusalem Truth. And our interns, Sofia Seidel and Pilar Galvan. And, of course, big thanks to our audio editor, Robin Hilton. And the jefe-in-chief, <laughs> Keith Jenkins. I'm Felix Contreras. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded, NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.